Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! Alright, so come on down to su- wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. All right, everybody, this is the big one for me. We're talking about I Love Rocky Road. By the amount of notes that I took down on this song, you would think it's my favorite parody ever, but that's not the case. There's just so much about this song because this is the song, Matt. This is the song that gave us this album, Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> like It is a very important song in the history of Al. This song basically opened the door for him working with Rick Derringer. Right. And that's the biggest thing about this, is that this parody caught the ears of the right people, as well as another parody we'll talk about on this album. Those two particular parodies really kind of blew open the doors of his acceptance in the music industry. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. So let me ask you, before we dive into all this, what what are your early thoughts on I Love Rocky Road? I feel like it's kind of a, a one that one that people know of even if they're not a big weird al fan this one kind of has burst it more into the mainstream than a lot of the earlier al parodies to me i think so and so this is an interesting one because sometimes you know sometimes your perspective is different you realize that like you think of something some way and then no one else in the world sees it the same way <laughs> in my mind this is like one of al's bigger ones at least from the early days I feel like people heard this and knew this. My first experience, we were talking about it the other previous episode about his the compilation albums, and this was on yes. the Food album. Um, this was the first time I heard this track. Yeah, I remember hearing it early and loving it, of course. And in my mind, this was kind of like an early sort of bigger song for me. In my mind, this is the biggest song on this record, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, I guess it's hard to say. Yeah. I would argue that of the professionally recorded songs mm-hmm. 
this is the biggest one. Right. I think that there's the the songs that were big on Dr. Demento before this album was even considered a possibility that might have a little bit more mainstream success. It's definitely a bigger song than Ricky. That's for definitely sure. Definitely bigger than Ricky. And I, again, I don't know why. I feel like I heard this. Man, again, maybe this is a false memory. I feel like I heard this on the radio. I don't ever remember hearing like the Dr. Demento tracks because they're so lo-fi. Yeah. I don't ever remember hearing that. I don't know if they got much play outside of Dr. Demento, but this, I feel like I heard like on goofy, like morning drive time radio shows when I was a child. <laughs> yes. I think that they actually played this. I think, you know, this, this did get some sort of mainstream attention for how um, ridiculous it was and that he was parodying a obviously super, super popular and well-known track. Something that I didn't know until I was doing the research, I didn't realize that this was a cover for Joan Jett. I just always assumed that this was a Joan Jett original. Yeah. But it was it was actually written by a band called Arrows. And one of the members of Arrows, John Hooker, is the one who heard this parody and was like, you need to work with Rick Derringer. Oh, that's and made interesting. that connection. I did like, not know he, that. Yeah, like he was he was so into it that he was like, we need to do this. That's incredible. And also the other big thing was that for a long time, Weird Al was having trouble getting a record contract. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jay Levy, who was an artist's manager, got a copy of I Love Rocky Road and he was so impressed with it. He immediately just started playing it on their top 40 station and it became the most requested song by the next day. People were just like, what is this song? Who is this? And that really was like what pushed Scotty Brothers to sign him. Wow. Um, was the the overnight success of this song. That's kind of why I do think this is like the important song. Like it wasn't yeah. like no one had heard of Al before that, but like this was when it was like, no, this music can exist outside of Dr. Demento. Like this yeah. music could be on the radio. Yeah, and for anyone, you know, like if you've heard any other things that have come from Dr. Demento, a lot of it, especially back then, was much more in line with these lo-fi Weird Al parodies that were happening. Like this was not a home for well-produced, <laughs> professionally no, it, recorded music. And if he had not gotten this kind of attention and hadn't gotten someone like Rick Derringer or these actual artists involved, he probably would have lived in that more lo-fi DIY world for for longer. I'm sure he would have kept doing it, but I, it would have been much harder for him to have any sort of mainstream success making records that sound so um, rough around the edges. Yeah, and I, and I think that also an element of it is that when you think of Dr. Demento, you're also thinking about like, he's also playing a lot of very old, old records yeah. too. He's, you know, the stuff that we talked about in the first episode where we referenced like, you know, Stan Freeberg and Spike Jones and Benny Bell and, and mm-hmm. Tom Lear, like all of the, all of those voices <laughs> were definitely being presented on Dr. Demento, but like, not none of those even those they sound old like you listen to those records and they just sound by by 1979 those sound super dated and grimy and lo-fi compared to like you know we're talking about 1979 when he's doing stuff like my Bologna like yeah that's at the exact same time that like the Boston self-titled record is dropping and like completely <laughs> changing the way that like a production can be done. Yeah, next level production stuff is happening all around. Yeah, <laughs> right? it's true. And he's in a bathroom. Like, yeah, like, and you can tell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think about the song 
from from just like a musical standpoint. We'll start there because I the the video is where I really have a lot that I want to dive into. But sure. I think the song is interesting even without the video for for the most. Yeah, part. yeah. Well, so I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit as well, but so interesting to me on this record. This is the only album, as best I can tell. I have to like as we continue to explore these, I'll refine this maybe. But on this record, it's the only time that they are really having a tremendous amount of fun messing around with these songs. Yes. Like the manualist, I think is the official name, right? Of the guy who's playing his hand farts. Yeah. That's I just wrote down. The hand farts intro is a very nice. Exactly. Touch. And like, that's such a thing for these early records of Al's. There's a cutoff point where all of a sudden we have no more hand farts <laughs> as accompaniment. <laughs> like Al, like it went for years. And then at a certain point, he must've just had a switch go off and be like, we got to move on from this. <laughs> like everything can't be a hand fart percussion, but this has it. And it's got the accordion, as you pointed out, the like, record with accordion all over it. So this is not a straight cover. In, in, no. in Musically, it's not a cover of I Love Rock and Roll. He, they are putting their own spin on it. It has that weird you know, accordion and manualist energy. But that just adds to the fun. I mean, again, this record has such a sort of like, despite the better production on this track, it still has that sort of homespun punk rock DIY energy attached to it, which it's I another, love about it. I love it. It's a it. very punk rock album yeah. to me still. Um, yeah. And the lyrics are decent enough, but I think that, again, kind of similar to what we were saying last week with Got a Boogie, like the musical performance of the song is really like the standout to me yeah similarly to what we were talking about with ricky like the accordion feels so weirdly at home yeah in this like like in a way that it shouldn't and in a way that it doesn't on a couple of the other parodies on this album yes and the accordion solo is brilliant to me totally. like doing that guitar solo on a on an accordion probably the biggest part of the whole song that still makes me laugh is him just going, I'll make it talk. Like <laughs> it's such an over the top thing to yell about an accordion yeah, solo that yeah. it like gets me every single time. Agreed completely. And yeah, I mean, from a lyrical perspective, as you said, like, you know, nothing super <laughs> visionary here, but you really get the sense like this is, he is setting a template here for future enormous success <laughs> for sure this I, is the I, first marker of like i mean he had done uh we haven't gotten to it yet but my Bologna was recorded before this um yeah. which touches on the same sort of idea but in terms of the production and the i'm gonna take the original i'm gonna re-record it and i'm going to make these lyrics about eating large amounts of food that proved tried tried and true and this really <laughs> was the first example of like almost the complete idea of that you know I agree. I think the other thing that's worth comparing it to my Bologna a little bit, and also like another one rides the bus, I think what makes Ricky stand out, Ricky and, and I Love Rocky Road stand out a little bit more than my Bologna and another one rides the bus is like, we all know someone who does a song parody on the fly about something where they just yeah. change like one or two words, but the basic song structure is still the same. Yeah. And I feel like that is the my Bologna and another one rides the bus. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like, there is very few lyrics that are even close to what the original lyrics were in the song, but it's like the rhythm and the attitude, but mixed with something completely absurd. Yes. And he's doing the thing where it is, all the lyrics are changed, but he is very careful to like, that part is, is very true to him to this day where it's, the cadence of the lines, the rhyming, the structure of it is yes. exactly the same, despite the fact that the lyrics are all changed. It's not just throw away random 
he's not rewriting the entire lyric of the song. He's main, maintaining the cadence, the rhyming structure, all that kind of stuff is still there, which is something he was he's very disciplined about moving forward from here. 100%. Looking at the lyrics, if you compared the lyrics to like the first verse of I Love Rocky Road and I Love Rock and Roll, but compare it to like My Bologna where you're just taking Oh My Little Pretty One, Pretty One. Yeah. To oh my little hungry one, hungry yeah. one. It's like that's like it's like all right, that's yeah. You know, it's not exactly the. I I maybe could have come up with my Bologna just like eating bologna when that song was popular and just being like my Bologna. Like it's it's not like the lyrical impressiveness. Um, and then the other big weird production thing in this song for me is the sped up vocals towards the end of the chorus. Oh, that's uh, right. Just yeah. how chaotic it gets near the end of this song. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's, again, a very interesting, like, they're they're really going for all sorts of, they're throwing a lot of ideas at the table on this record. And they're they're definitely experimenting with all these different things. They're not being so precious about the source material, at least not in every way. Yeah. No, it's it's great. Yeah. All right. Did you get a chance to watch the music video before we record it? You know what? I didn't. Should I watch it right now? Yeah, let's watch it right now. While you're doing that, I'll just give a couple fun facts about the director of the music video. Uh, the music video was directed by a guy whose name I will never be able to pronounce. Uh, D-R-O-R. Uh, Doror. Uh, S-O-R-E-F. Surf. So Durf Surf, I guess, is how it's pronounced. I have no clue. I apologize, wow. sir. Uh, but he actually went on to make some movies starring John Travolta, Peter O'Toole, and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, none of them were particularly good or well-remembered movies, but he did make movies with those big names in it and directed several episodes of The Power Rangers. But his career stalled out in 2015 when it became public that his film Not Forgotten was financed entirely through a Ponzi scheme that he was running. What? Which... <laughs> I also, uh, at this moment, realized that while I've heard the term multiple times, I don't know what a Ponzi scheme actually is. <laughs> um, well, you know but, what? I, I think I know, but now I'm I'm too scared to say. We're going to have to look <laughs> like, I don't know. So, something that he apparently... But yeah, so that he hasn't really made a movie since that whole controversy in 2015. The other big thing that's worth noting while you're, we're, while you're watching the video is, as we pointed out with Ricky... Ricky really didn't do anything to match the look or feel of video. That is not the case this time around. If you watch the Joan Jet I Love Rock and Roll video, they are definitely hitting specific tones. Al is dressed almost identically to Joan Jet in that video. They just changed it from a tavern to an ice cream parlor. But for the most part, the general concept and shots of the movie or of the music video, the original video, are uh, being recreated. And that essentially becomes what you can expect from any Weird Al music video going forward. That if he's parodying a song, you're going to catch a lot of homages to that music video. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a huge production step up from Ricky, but it is still very clearly a cheap video in the way that pretty much any music video before like 1985 was a cheap music video. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, you're definitely, uh, definitely shot on a set. That is, <laughs> that is a very clear thing. But there's, I feel like you get a couple weird owlisms in there. Definitely him smashing his face against the camera is something that you would see time and time and time again in future weird Yeah, Al squishing videos. his face against the glass. That's a real yeah. recurring theme for him. Absolutely. <laughs> and as uh, you pointed out, I think the visual, because in the Ricky video, he's dressed like Ricky Ricardo. And in this one, this is the first time you see him really looking like 
the yeah, owl is- of the... 80s, 80s and 90s basically yeah. yeah and into the 90s yeah that's right yeah he doesn't really change until running with scissors running in with 99. scissors is the the debut of the new owl look which has lasted longer than the original owl look at this now, point I it guess. has yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah crazy. it has i also think that this video a little bit more than ricky there was still an element of this in ricky but this video really shines that like raw confidence mm-hmm. in what he's doing and his he has one of the greatest skills for intentional overacting <laughs> of any music video star I've ever seen. So true. There's a quote from Steve Martin in um, uh, in the book Wild and Crazy Guys where he says, like, to me, the art of comedy is the absurdity of trying to be funny. Mm. And, like, I feel like that ethos oozes in every Al video where it's like there are good gags and then there are gags that are so stupid that they're <laughs> anti-comedy and that's yes. like his whole point is like the idea of having to shoot a music video is stupid and absurd so let's get as ridiculous with this as we can absolutely absolutely yeah because yeah, this is this is like you know this is 83 so MTV's only been a thing for two years at the time that they're making this video uh, they're probably still playing old performances from Midnight Special on the channel more often than not. Yeah. So like we're really we're in that early age where it's like, ugh, like it's doing a music video is kind of like an unnecessary requirement, like an unfortunate requirement to the job at this point more than something that you want to do. Kind of, but also from my understanding of that time period, it also was um, because it was so new and they didn't have as much content. You could break on MTV in this unique way, where it's like if you had a video. They had so few videos to show that, like, they if, you made one, if you made one, if you made one, they were like, "Oh, great! Well, we'll we'll air this. This is fantastic!" Like, they were so happy to. Um, <laughs> Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. An- another band who I love who have a lot of, you know, at least parallel lines with um, Al is They Might Be Giants. I'm sure they yep. will come up again, but... I know from their history, they were like, they swear by a lot of their early success came from the fact that they had very early music videos just because they thought it was interesting to do. And they found themselves getting played on MTV purely because they had made a video (laughs) that they could show. Um, And there was like, they really had no business being there if not for the fact that it was a music video. So I think Al probably had some version of that as well. It was just like, oh, this is, you know, they they ran it because it was there. Lloyd Kaufman from Troma Pictures always talks about how like, in a similar vibe in the early 80s when uh, VHS first started coming out. Mm -hmm. So many of the big studios were so anti the concept of the VHS and the VCR because they could only see, you know, going to a theater as being where they could make their money. So they would, like, refuse to make their movies readily available. But he's like, you know, for a company like Full Moon Pictures or for Troma, like, we jumped on that opportunity. And it, it basically made us rich beyond our our wildest dreams because like you're walking into a video store and you don't have a lot of options in there so you're just going to keep renting these movies from us it's so funny you point that out because i only found out recently you know this was before before my time i was in the 70s when vhs first became a thing the studio was so afraid of it that when movies came out on vhs they were 
really expensive. Like yeah. I was told, I was told that early VHS copies of movies were like a hundred dollars. Yeah, like a hundred bucks. That's why you would have video rental stores. That's why you had video rental stores, but it made it cost prohibitive where basically they were like we'll only let you do this if renting a movie is comparable in price to seeing it in the theater because they really wanted people to continue going to theaters but and this is a real tangent although there's you know what al connects to everything in some way because i'm going to talk about star wars for a moment exactly yeah i heard that you could argue that was a huge part of what made star wars have the impact that it had is that star wars came out right at the time where vhs started to become affordable yeah. And a huge, like, all of a sudden, that was, like, one of the earlier movies that people grew up owning and being able yeah. to rewatch at will. Before well, that, that's where you the Disney Vault evolved as well. Yeah. Because Disney, for the longest time, was, like, every 20 years, we'll do a month where we bring out one of these old films. Yeah. And then when the VHS thing happened, that was, like, the big controversial thing. I think it was Pinocchio was the first one they put out on VHS. And then everything was, like, oh, you're breaking Walt's dream that these would be like once in a lifetime experiences exactly and he's like well we'll only release the vhs we'll only make it readily available for a short period of time to like buy these vhs tapes so and fascinating man did that pay off you know what i mean like who whose home wasn't filled with those hard shell disney oh vhs God, absolutely tapes? it was a big deal <laughs> it was a big deal let's talk a little bit about some of the visual jokes in this video, yes. I, I think when, when I think of this music video, one of the first things that jumps to my brain is playing the guitar and bass with the ice cream scoops. Yes. It's such a brilliant visual. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's a great visual. My favorite <laughs> visual gag, and I'm glad I rewatched it right before we talked about this because I would not have remembered, is when Al is sitting at the booth and he's looking really sad and he just reaches over and pulls from a, an ice cream cone dispenser. A full, a ice, full cream. ice cream cone. <laughs> it's such but it's a like a paper gag. towel, and he just grabs it, and it's a complete ice cream cone in his hand. That is really funny. I also made a note of that because I'm like, that is such a fun visual. We get another <laughs> Doctor Demento cameo yes. as the as the cashier. I I think that continues throughout most of the 80s. I think Doctor Demento I think he, finds he ways pops into up the in videos. Almost everything. Yeah. Again, how how do you not love a guy who has that much respect for the person oh, who gave him his first shot? Absolutely. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. You're in Weedis, but I don't really see you guys putting Jason Biggs in every music video. Because, no, but to be fair, that's probably that's more because he won't take our calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Jason's a very nice guy. We actually do still talk to him sometimes. There was a brief conversation about trying to recreate the the dirtbag video at one point in time, yes. but I don't, I don't know if that's ever going to schedule wise happen. But I I will say this much while we're on this little tangent, which I didn't intend for us to go on. Yeah. I love that movie, Loser. I know that that was like one of the most poorly received like teen flicks of that time period, but I fucking love that movie. That's good to hear. It really was so poorly received. You know, this is like Brendan, and I was not in the band, you know, at this moment in the history, yeah. but I remember when that movie came out and I, I've heard about it a lot. And it was just like, at that time, it was like, it's the new Amy Heckerling movie. Like she was one of the biggest, she had just done Clueless. She was huge. And they were like, this is going to be the greatest connection of all time. And arguably the song was bigger than the movie. The song wound up kind of being bigger than like nobody would have seen that coming at that point in time. That was a crazy, (laughs) crazy thing. I I would love to revisit it because I saw Loser in the theater with my friends and I did not care for it. (laughs) But I I don't know why it brought me so much. I think it also had a lot to do with the fact that like gothy punk Mina Savori Mm -hmm. is clearly my perfect woman, I guess. (laughs) So like. You know, being being the right age yeah, to watch yeah, that yeah. movie and be like, oh, that's 
and that kind of set the template for like every girl that I tried to ask out throughout <laughs> wow. all of high school. Oh, that's huge. That's oh. a real like milestone. Oh, she she left that left an impression on me. The other weird side effect for us for that because the music video features Jason Biggs and Mina Suvari from Loser. Everybody for years to this day assume that the video is a tie-in to American Pie. Oh and yeah, not because Loser because it's the same two people from a very close time period. I oh, mean, even in American Pie, those two American characters, Pie. yeah, 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 those two like... characters aren't even really connected in it. But it's just nope. people remember them so much more for that than for Loser. So we often get the whole like, "Oh, you guys were on the American Pie soundtrack," and we're like, "No, it's we like, wish nope. we were on the American Pie soundtrack. That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> we were on a movie that didn't have a soundtrack." Yeah, unfortunately, the the thing that I realized later on, like obviously, I loved the movie Loser, and then when I saw the apartment for the first time, I was like, "Oh, yes." Loser was just teen flick the apartment. Basically, yes. Got it. Yes. Beautiful. So I think another thing that's worth calling out with this video is continuing what we said about Ricky. There is still a real punk rock vibe to when you see Al and his band performing. Big time. Big time. Like, yes. Like they have that commanding, like draw your eyes to it performance. Yeah. And you could argue in, that in this one, it's a little bit more because they are bring the I love rock and roll video more. So you get it's it's following some of that rock and roll energy, but it is still very much their own specific brand of punk rock energy in this fake ice cream parlor full of people screaming back at them. <laughs> it's definitely got a weirdly cheap final shot too, where it's like, it just kind of stops with a weird, like f color blend of them. Like it has those like three color flashes and then just ends yeah. with the freeze frame fist in the air. Pump yeah, thing. like it was Breakfast Club, but two years before Breakfast Club. Exactly. <laughs> it's, very, it's very strange. It is. I don't know about you, but sometimes you have these things that you remember from your childhood. And because like, you know, you create an inside joke with your friends or whatever. And then like that inside joke in your brain becomes a reality of the thing. Mm -hmm. And that happens with me with this song because there's a part where he says, all the soda jerkers know my name. And then a word bubble pops up that says hi al yes <laughs> and when me and my brother would watch this we would always say hi al in the rhythm of the song because it's like the perfect pause before the next verse to say it because it's like all the soda jerkers know my name hi al <laughs> when their supply is gone <laughs> and like i remember like there are still times where i listen to the song i'll be driving in my car and i'll say the high owl because in my head it feels like it makes sense and, and then that it's actually there is like a false memory like you, it was <laughs> yeah, actually like in the in track my, a voice yeah song. like in my head i'm like why isn't that there that's that would really just, funny and i think that if this song was in 2022 that high owl would be in you're the probably song. right you're probably because right he, he would layer those weird extra pieces yeah in there yeah that's funny i so, like that a lot Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in that spot you were talking about, the all the soda jerkers know my name. That is just his band. Yep. Right. As the <laughs> yep. the soda jerkers. Yes. And again, you can see in the video, like it's. I, I, I'm going to wind up talking about this a lot because I just continually blows my mind that it is just this is this band is the same band. He has had this band from this point to this day. He's about so... to go out on a tour again, and it's the same guys. And yeah, for 40 years almost. In, as in, of next year, it'll be 40 years in the music world, especially as arguably a solo i mean he's a solo artist right they're not credited as a band it is weird al and these are musicians who back him up to have a group that is that locked in is completely i i, I almost i want to say unprecedented i don't i can't back up if it's totally unprecedented but it is beyond belief it that, is it is rare yeah like you think of 
you think of stuff like I give like a weird amount of credit to stuff like Green Day has pretty much had the same yep. three guys since like '94. Yeah. Um, Pearl Jam they had like a drummer switch out, but beyond that, it's been the same crew of dudes. Yeah. Um, I always give credit to because I think that this is extra impressive personally. One of my favorite bands. I'm sure we'll get some of them on this show. Uh, Five Iron Frenzy, the Christian mm, ska band. Yeah. I mean, to have a nine-piece ska band and you've only ever had one member change in like a 25-year career is just an impressive It's incredibly feat. hard. And it's also, you know, like to a degree, because I, I come from a band that's had a lot of lineup changes and it's it's um, it's um not always even necessarily anyone's fault. It's not like no. there's a problem in the band. It's just, you know, you, usually people start out and you're doing music and you're young, you're teens or maybe your early 20s and you do it for 10 years, 15 years and just some people just change and they get to a spot where they're like, you know what? I just don't want to be on the road, uh, do the touring. I want something more stable, more like, you know, settled down. I had kids. I don't want to travel. Yeah, People like to make it seem like every single time a member leaves from the band, it is just like the most over the top reality show exit. I know. I know. So rarely the truth. It's so rarely. I mean, occasionally <laughs> you're going to have like some, you know, like people change in a way where they butt heads a little bit, but more often than not, it is just, someone's personal priorities have shifted a little bit and to make a living in music is a very very demanding i mean schedule listen to any interview with any band where they talk about what going on tour is actually like yeah. when you're not like the biggest band in the world and you're sleeping in a van for a month or like crashing Absolutely. on strangers floors or getting paid approximately ten dollars a day for like <laughs> food and beverage like yeah 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 it's it's not a very like you have to be taylor swift level for it to be a lavish tour experience yeah because <laughs> like, i was gonna say even for me like i'm very lucky like i tour at a, at a pretty generally i mean i've done all kinds of tours but i typically tour at a relatively good level where i'm on a bus but even then you're on a bus that's you're the bus is driving overnight and you the bus like takes a sharp turn and you are awakened by the feeling of like, I'm about to careen down a mountain. Restless nights. It's a crazy schedule. You're often work very, very long hours to get back on the bus and be done for the day at three o'clock in the morning, you know, following a, a show. Like it, it is even unless truly, unless you're at Taylor Swift, Billie Eilish, whoever is the most famous person right yeah, now. Adele, um, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you are at that level where you are like being personally flown to your own private gigs um yeah. it is not by any measure it's varying degrees of hard but it's hard i've i've done merch for punchline a couple times is just like one-off shows mm -hmm. not even like a tour like it's literally just hey come up to pittsburgh we're doing this show yeah and like the idea of it's two in the morning we still have to load the van yeah. and then go somewhere else for us to sleep like the both times that I've done that, once for a show in Lancaster, once for a show in Pittsburgh, I had a fun time. But man, by like one o'clock, I was I just wanted to like roll up on my nice, comfortable bed yeah. and close my eyes and go to fuck this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. And then you do all that. And by the time you actually get to the hotel and get checked in, it's two thirty in the morning. And then you look at where the next gig is and you look at each other like, OK, so uh, we'll meet in the lobby at seven thirty. Yeah, and you're like, oh my get, god, this is like five... barely enough time to shower and sleep. Um, and how? Yeah, and how much are you paying for a hotel room for <laughs> exactly, essentially five exactly. hours? For, for <laughs> like... no, and then it's like, I've I've had before people like it's not enough time. I'm just going to sleep in the van. I've done that myself many times. Anyway, so the the long way around to this is just that it's a testament to 
I'm going to say Al and to this group, the fact that this lineup has been so intact for so long and clearly just love what they're doing and love working together is just incredibly rare. And there's some luck and good fortune in it, but it is uh, certainly a testament to these human beings that they have managed to pull that off. It, it is a real, I tip my hat as far as it can go. That's, that's no small feat. Hey, so I got one last question for you before yeah. we start our rankings here. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Because I certainly do not love Rocky Road. Rocky that Road would not is, be my song. Yeah, I would not <laughs> say that I love Rocky Road. <laughs> Although, funny enough, I probably like it more now than I did as a kid. I was never like a fan of like something that was too nutty as a child. Yeah. That was like practically health food being added to my ice cream. That's how it felt at the time. <laughs> In hindsight, that's ridiculous. No, my favorite ice cream flavor, you know, it varies a lot, but it's probably something like, I'm going to say like a chocolate chip cookie dough. That's my go-to. There you go. I, I, I constantly have Ben and Jerry. I, I always have a pint of Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough waiting for me. I don't eat it often. Yeah. But if I feel a sudden like, man, I need some ice cream, I like having it in there as an emergency. You can't go wrong with that. And, you know, funny enough to the lyrics of Al, I can identify because I actually can't keep ice cream in my freezer because I, <laughs> I am incapable of not eating the entire container at any given <laughs> See, moment. I, so. I've developed a really good um, self-control with all that stuff. Like I have 10 years ago, this would be physically impossible, right? <laughs> yeah. But the other day I went to the grocery store and it was buy one, get one free on family size, double stuffed Oreos. Oh my God. And that was a week and a half ago. And the first pack is still open with a full sleeve of Oreo waiting for me. See, like that's, that's I, I can't do that. That's I've maintained am, being like, I'll I'm allow myself impressive. maybe four or five, and then I'm like done for the day. My, uh, I used to crush a whole thing in a night. Yeah, maybe like, all right, that's let's what, go all three sleeves. Absolutely. That's what they're for. <laughs> um, my wife gets pints of ice cream, and she will do the thing where she will open the container and take like the one tiniest little spoonful and eat it and then put it away. And I'm just like, what are you doing? What is happening? How is this possible? Like, you didn't even get all of the elements of the ice cream in that bite. Yeah, no, if there's a, so sometimes, every once in a while, it's like, hey, if I'm just going to have a quick, if I've had a big dinner and I'm like, I just want like a little bit of something else, I can maybe do two or three scoops. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, if I'm having ice cream, it's usually I'm hanging out with my friend, Rachel. Mm -hmm. We're having our trash night is what we call it, <laughs> nice. where we watch some trashy TV and eat some trashy food. And usually at some point, it's like, yo, do you want to run to Wawa and get some ice cream real quick? There you go. And I will kill a full pint. Like, I'm just like, all right, let's go. Like, put on that Jersey Shore. I'm going to destroy this ice cream now. Um, <laughs> My usual move to protect myself is that I try to not have it in the house and then go. If, if I'm out somewhere and it's like, oh, look, there's an ice cream place. We have a couple near us. I will yeah. go there and I will get a cone or a dish or whatever it is. But And then that's my treat version of it. But I will just eat an entire pint. Yeah, um, truly my version of this song would be like, I love Rita's Mistos, though. Like, <laughs> I would rather go to like a Rita's Water Ice and get a Misto than have ice cream. Any Rita's is really you good. Give you me have... the two you give me those choices, I'm going to Rita's. Do you have Ralph's as well? We don't. Oh, see, I grew up with Ralph's. We do have, I grew up on Long Island. I think there are a couple of Rita's on Long Island, but Ralph's are way more common. So okay. that's my. Good to know. Yeah. All right, well, let's start with parody. Where are you ranking this? Is it above or below Ricky? I'm going to say this has to be above ricky okay i mind. actually i went opposite you did oh this is I, great yeah we're already i'm on so a glad we're diverging this early on <laughs> yeah i i just like i said i love 
I love the song, Ricky. I think it is the perfect opener to the album. This is, cl- I, I will I will play this hand. <laughs> These two are very close to each other and the rest of the parodies on this album don't even, in my mind, compare to the quality of these two in my mind that's Uh, probably true there's one coming up that i'm particularly fond of but um okay Okay. uh, we'll see but i (laughs) i think to me a part of what i love about this is that i i do enjoy ricky a lot this like i said this is a real to me this feels like the first true stamp of what is to come for al this is a real marker in his career of like um this worked they tried this. This experiment was a total success. And from now on, this is like he is going to spend years fine tuning this recipe. All right. Well, then the only other question is the music video. Where are you ranking the music video up against Ricky? Now, that's interesting. It's funnier than the Ricky video, I would mm-hmm. say. The Ricky video is weirder, <laughs> which I like about it. <laughs> um, You know what? I'm going to flip it the other way, and I'm going to say I prefer the Ricky video. I agree with you on that, okay, too. I there think, you go. I think that there is there is something about the energy, and I know that it's stupid to make my entire decision off of a single shot, Yeah, but there is no moment in the I Love Rocky Road video that has stuck with me as much as when that door opens and you see the band just rocking yeah. the hell out. Totally. Like, yeah. like that alone pushes the Ricky video up for me. I'm I'm inclined to agree. We're going to I'm going with the Ricky video at the top currently. Yes. All right. We're we're going to talk about an interesting one next week. I don't think this has ever happened again with Weird Al, but we're going to talk about an original that is all lyrics written for a parody that got declined. Yes. <laughs> so stay Super tuned weird for one. that. Yes, looking forward to it. <laughs> Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, I I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. (laughs) Alright, so come on down to, wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.